Just because you're thinking thoughts, that doesn't mean you are your thoughts. And that doesn't mean that you have to hold and grab them and ruminate on those thoughts. Unfortunately, I didn't know any of this. And so I honestly just learned. I knew the Bible. I knew scripture. I knew prayer. And it came to a top when my dad had taken his life. And I just said, how am I going to survive? I've got kids now. I'm a husband. Is this my future? Jason, welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. Oh my goodness, Wade. I'm so thrilled to be here with you guys to hang out with you and chat with your community today. Uh, yes, I I'm really glad this worked out. You've got some exciting things that um, you're passionate about right now that I think will really bless um, everyone who's watching and listening. But let's dive in with the official first question of the podcast. What are you dreaming about right now? Uh, Man, such a good question. I love uh, I love to ask that question as well. And I want to I want to answer it. And then I just thought of something. I had an opportunity just a week ago to go on a trip overseas, uh, and I asked that question to a group of people. And I want to share with you uh, something about that that I observed. But right now, what I'm dreaming about is. Honestly, continuing to be one of the greatest values that I have is to be a present dad. You know, and, and, and we might talk about that a little bit of, of just not having a great, strong relationship with my dad. And so it sounds very like, I don't know, maybe carnal or fleshy, but like it's such a spiritual thing for me to orchestrate my life in a way where I can give my kids the best of me. And so, for instance, you know, we, similar to you, we were on church staff for almost two decades and just kind of started dreaming and thinking, how can we, how can we kind of change the rhythm of our life so that we can be more available for our kids? Is there a way that we can still serve God, serve people and minister that maybe isn't in the context of church staff? And that was a risk for us, you know, but we're talking about dreaming here. <laughs> so there's lots of risk when you're dreaming. And the, the reason I thought of that is because my, my oldest, her name's Justice, she's finishing fifth grade uh, this year. And my daughter is, uh, London, is finishing third grade. And I'm just, I love Wade. Again, this is very spiritual, but it doesn't sound like world-changing. But I think it might be. I love waking up in the morning and being able to fix them breakfast and take them to school and pray with them and chat with them and talk with them. And it's not lost on me that not everyone gets to have that opportunity and that schedule. And it's not lost on me that, that you know, like seven years ago, that wasn't even an opportunity for me. You know, and so, so these days I'm just, I'm dreaming about how do I best mentor, disciple my kids in the very best way that I can so that they they love God, they're sensitive to God, they're loving people. And you know, one of the one of the things we do, each family tends to have some like uh, things that they do together, you know, whether it be rhythms or things that they say. And at night, every time we we talk about the fruits of the spirit. And so we memorize them. We pray and then we we go through the fruits of the spirit. And it's honestly like <clears throat> that's what I'm dreaming about. Like, how can I, how can I plant the seeds of the spirit in my girls? And then, and then I want to be able, I want to dream and see, you know, the results of the fruits of the spirit in their life, not just in a, in the church setting, but in the school, you know, in the community, whatever they find that's yeah. interesting that they get involved in. So I've been just dreaming a lot about that. And yeah. I love it. Cause well, first of all, we're both, we're, we're girl dads. Um, <laughs> yes, and we're we're both retired worship leaders, so we've got a lot of a lot of similarities there. I don't know. You might not be retired. You might still lead worship. Do you? I do not. Okay. I have okay. not. No. Yeah. Uh, but you made a comment there about how you know this might not sound world changing, but I think it might be. And yeah. what struck me about that is, I think in today's culture. I mean, you hear it in the church all the time. It's not just outside the church, but we always talk about changing the world as if it's this big, massive thing that, you know, we've got to, you know, we've got to find God's big destiny for our lives and do this dramatic um, mm -hmm. work for Him. 
And sometimes we ignore the real most important impact we can have every day with the people that God has placed in our lives that are the most important to us, which is our family and yeah. discipling our kids and, and encouraging our friendships and loving the people that are in our immediate circle. And so I just love that you yeah. started that way because while I do think God gives us dreams to impact people that we might not know right now, I think our greatest dream should be to impact the people that are within our family and our close knit circle of friends. And so I think that's yeah. just a beautiful place to start. It, I, and it is so true. Like I, so I'm, I'm a big dreamer. You know, if, mm-hmm. if my wife Shelly was here on this too, she'd be like, good grief. He'll, he'll dream, <laughs> give him a sentence and he'll dream about this and that. I also manage ADD. And so I dream a lot and I can live here, but I need to be careful to not get, you know, analysis paralysis and like yeah. just keep dreaming without without action. And so I can get overwhelmed in my dreams. And I heard this when I was young, man, I might've been in my late teens and there was a preacher that came to speak and I think he quoted um, Mother Teresa, but it was, you know, if, if you want to change the world, if you are someone that wants to change the entire world, then go home and love your family. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I think about even just that one sentence and some, mm-hmm. and, and, and it, it's difficult because there's so many different variables and different home life settings. But internally, like if, if we just shift everything else out in a lot of the world and the family space, if that was just such a big, if that was like the main priority, like, hey, how can I, how can I go home and love my family today? Yeah. I just wonder, I wonder what that dream in reality would look like 20 years from now. Yeah. You know, if, if, if that was a big thing within the household, I do wonder about that. So yeah, to me, I'm just like, hey, if I can do anything today, I can... I can share a kind word to my daughter. I can encourage her every time they walk out. I'm like, help somebody today, you know, yeah. smile at somebody today. <laughs> exactly. It's it's the simple things that I think have yeah. the greatest impact, which is, it, it's good news for everybody because most of our days look like simple days. They look like ordinary days. So yeah. you, you mentioned that you asked that question to a group overseas and you observed something. I, I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Yep. I, so I had the opportunity to go and, and, and do some community outreach and then host and speak at a pastor's conference. And it was in a, in a country in this setting. I'm not able to share the specific country, but as we walked around and knocked on doors, first off, that was so refreshing. Like mm. I was just thinking, I never like, in my neighborhood or at home, I never just like, I'm going to get on the street and knock on the door and say, hey, how you doing? Can uh-huh. I come in and pray with you? Or you know, <clears throat> So it was really amazing. And I wanted to try to make a connection because there was also a language barrier immediately. So I had an interpreter and I would ask, like, what is it that you're thinking about in 2024? Like the new year's coming up. What are you dreaming about? You know, or I'd say, if God could do a miracle, in 2024, what would that look like? Wade, no joke. And now, mind you, we were in very poor settings, very, very, very much impoverished um, neighborhood. Not, I had to change my question before the end of the day because not one person could answer me. Hmm. They just, from being, and it's true for my own life too, from being in survival mode and you're just in maintenance and you're, you're so much thinking about how am I making it today? How am I putting food on the table today? How am I managing my mental health today? Like you could tell number one, no one has probably ever asked them that question before. Mm-hmm. And so first I want to say, I love that you're asking that question and that you wrote a book, the premise of, of dreaming. And, and I, I was just so taken back in my heart of like, wow, how can I, as a human being, in my connections with people every single day, how can I help them plant a seed of dreaming? Hmm. You know, help them, them know again and realize that it is okay for you to dream, actually. Like you were, God created this heavens and the earth, everything that you see, everything under the sun and the stars is His, and you have the free ability to dream. And think about what is it that I want to do? 
You know, what's God called me to? And it was just, it was kind of an, an awakening. And, and I just wondered, it made me wonder, like, how many people is this a reality for, even in America? Hmm. You know, the idea of dreaming and getting that question and how would they answer that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so many different ways we could unpack that because in a lot of ways, it can seem like dreaming is a luxury uh, based on your socioeconomic conditions, um, the family you were raised in, the country you were born in. And mm-hmm. so, you know, having the the freedom to dream about a different career, a lot of people don't have that same type of freedom, which is why yeah. I'm glad we started where we did because we can dream about how we love other people. We can dream about mm-hmm. how we serve other people. We can dream about what God wants to do through us in the situation that we're in. And yeah. I think the thing that saddens me is, is sometimes we think um, that there's nothing we can control, um, that everything has been decided for us, and we can always control and have agency over our heart and how we mm-hmm. approach every situation. And so it's easy yeah. to feel trapped and, and some situations are more, um, that's more of a reality than others. But I think there is always a way that we can shine the light of Christ no matter where we are. And so I love that you, you want to help plant that seed for people who might've lost hope, who might feel yeah. like there's no way out. And I feel like when God is involved, it really, I mean, that's what our faith is based on. Anything is possible. Like we really Mm -hmm. can see change happen in the darkest situations. That's so true. That's so, that's so true. And it is, it's such a common denominator, you know, because we, you know, we have the privilege now, you and I both of connecting with pastors and leaders, business owners, and help coaching them and help asking them questions to bring clarity so that they can create the habits that they want to get the desired outcomes in their life Mm -hmm. that they want. And I tell you, it's very similar, Wade, when I'm connecting with, you know, and you're talking seasoned, seasoned pastors, seasoned business owners, successful guys that we would see, you know, from, from the outside and not knowing what's going on behind this curtain. They get to places, and I think we all do, we get to a place where we stop dreaming. And... And it's very hard because we either go into scarcity mode, we receive some kind of failure, we receive some kind of disappointment, some type of outside oppression. Uh, and, and it's hard to push that forward. And I tell you, I've found something, and maybe we can go in this direction. I have found something that has helped me personally, but also it's kind of, <laughs> I want to say gateway, although I, I don't want you to think gateway drug. <laughs> it's a gateway drug for your mental health so that you can dream again and kind of awaken. When, when I have sessions with coaches, I call them AIM, which is Awaken Intrinsic Motivation. Mm-hmm. Because again, that's what we can control, right? You can't control outside circumstances, but we can begin to awaken your intrinsic motivation. And one of the most powerful things that you can do to start doing that is to develop a practice of gratitude. And what that does is gratitude, literally, I mean, there's been scientific studies on it. It's very biblical-based in basically everything. And even in the Lord's Prayer, you look up and you give thanks. You know, another Mm -hmm. word is thankfulness. And every just in thanks, gratitude, in thanks, whenever God would heal somebody, they would run and they would give thanks and they would tell people about it. You know, there's just, there's always a posture of gratitude. When you're moving really fast, when you are ruminating on failure, when you're ruminating on your situation, when you're ruminating on the things that you can't control, that you have no control over, it's, it's very hard to be grateful. And we can, we can move in and out of those situations very easily, depending on the season that we're in, depending on circumstances that we're in. And the, the developing a practice of gratitude can radically change that. They did studies in UCLA where they took students 
uh, split them down, A students, B students. There was like 20 or so in each group. And over a semester, they had uh, students start every morning practicing gratitude, just writing down three to five things they could be grateful for. And it's not necessarily you know, mind-boggling things. It can be, man, just, I'm so grateful. And let me tell you, I am. I am so grateful for a nice warm cup of coffee in the morning, you know? I love it in the winter. It's getting cold here. I love my weighted blanket in the morning <laughs> with a cup of coffee and a book. You like those types of things because it puts your, your physiological state in the parasympathetic, just relaxed mode, just open, and you're not in scarcity or you're, you're not, you don't have high cortisol levels, which is what brings the anxiety and the fight or flight. And so these kids woke up in the morning every semester, every day in the semester, wrote down three to five things they were grateful for. The other kids did not. They just went about their day and whatever the day brought them, they just received. There was no intention. There was no intentional gratitude, right? And you'll find that our minds, that reptilian brain tends to take over in a natural fashion where we look for things that are harmful. We look for things that are negative. That's why media is so tricky because it's like when we see fear, we see fighting or we see vibe, we're just, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I gotta, you know. And yeah. so our minds are naturally bent towards, you know, thinking, chaos and, and zoom and gloom. <laughs> and so when you intentionally think about gratitude, what they saw is they analyzed the brains of the students that did gratitude practice, the ones that didn't. This is no joke, dude. This is insane. It's been verified. The brains of the students that did gratitude actually grew in size. Mm -hmm. It changed the molecular structure of their brain. It was a healthier, healthy, healthier matter. And their lives, obviously, their, their, their mental lives were different than the kids that didn't. Like science, it's even saying right now that it's one of the most powerful, like antidepressants, like SSRIs that you could possibly use. And so, I mean, I use that practice in my life. I also, I struggle with anxiety and depression. So I, I do take an SSRI in the morning. And then I also write down three to five things I'm grateful for in my journal. And I have seen massive, massive weight uh, transformation in my mind that really helps me dream again. And it helps me. And this is what's good, because when we dream, we're living life on purpose. We're moving forward in purpose. And so that then it becomes a cycle of gratitude and purpose, gratitude and purpose, right? And that's what we can control. I like you talking about the, you know, your practice of gratitude essentially in the morning with journaling through to, and I know you're releasing this new journal, the Mind Shift Method Journal, a 90-day synergy of faith and brain science for mind renewal and transformation. That sounds weighty, but I think yeah. it's I'm learning something right now. I've been studying metacognition yeah. and how just taking the emotion that can feel so visceral from the limbic system. And just by journaling, just by talking about it with someone, thinking about your emotions, it takes it to the prefrontal cortex where you can then manage that emotion. Yeah. And so I think that gratitude practice, we are learning how to manage our negative emotions by saying, hey, there's actually some good going on in my life. And I'm going to start by focusing on that. And that's going to be yeah. the lens through which I look at everything else. Can yeah. you talk about other practices you have? Because you mentioned a few in this um, resource that you have about like three different gratitude hacks that yeah. I think could be helpful yeah. for people. Yeah, absolutely. One of the one of the biggest things that I enjoy about about gratitude is it's like okay when I when I have a day, I want to wake up and I want to feel great. I want to present myself great to my family, to anyone that I come in contact with, right? So, Wade, Jason, that isn't intentional and isn't practicing gratitude, is a little snarky, is a little <laughs> sarcastic, right? Is, uh, is not patient, <laughs> um, is not present, is always wondering about the future, Um but Jason that does practice gratitude and that is present and that is doing those things is a much better Jason. And so mm -hmm. what you have to do is 
you know, it's cr- Christmas has come. Well, I'll just say this Thanksgiving just finished. One of my favorite things is a pumpkin pie. Wade, I love a pumpkin pie, right? If you want a pumpkin pie, you have to think about the ingredients that it takes for you to result in a pumpkin pie. You're going to get the pumpkin, you're going to get the cinnamon, you're going to get the the dairy, you're going to get all of those things. You find out and then you put it in. In the same way, God has designed us and made us, created us biochemically where we can actually find out the ingredients that we need to have a great day, to be walking in the fruits of the Spirit, and we have the opportunity to put those things in our lives. And what's great is gratitude is free. (laughs) You're not paying for it. We're not signing up for a monthly membership. You know, it's not private coaching where it's going to cost you a lot of money. It's just free. And there's quick ways. It doesn't take hours it doesn't take days it doesn't take weeks they're small things and one of the one of the biggest things that i would recommend and that's one of the first things in the journal is just when you wake up write down three to five things that you're grateful for it could be anything you know like i said it could be i mean if you're going through something it could be health it could be that your mom came out of the surgery okay it could be hey i'm just so grateful for that extra extra money that someone gave me so i could get through you know it doesn't matter the more that you practice it the easier it is for you going to be able to do it because then on your prefrontal cortex is where that reticular activating system is which is how we notice things we're cha- training as you're doing that you're training your mind to notice things mm. It's the same thing like when you're buying a car. You know, you see that Escalade everywhere. You, It was everywhere. You know, everyone <laughs> in your community had one, but now that you're training your brain to look for it because you want one. And so that's why you're doing it first thing in the morning. You're continuing to do that. Another thing um, that I do is I just use, I take my phone. It's real again, really quick. And I have on here on my alarm system, I take an alarm at, for me, I'm in Eastern time. And so I have, I have two alarms, one at 11, one at three. And so they go off. The one at 11 says, what is something good that has happened so far today? And so it, it helps me to pause. I got like a pause on purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pausing for a moment and I'm thinking, let's go ahead and list now. Let's bring to mind the metacognition. Let's bring to mind what has mm-hmm. happened that's good today. Because you and I both know the world is chaos and everything moves towards chaos. And just because I'm having a few bad hiccups in the morning doesn't mean I'm having a terrible day. But if I'm not intentional and thinking about it, by the time Mm. my day's over, what am I saying? That was an awful day, (laughs) right? (laughs) Really, it was just a moment. Mm. But but being intentional, and then at three o'clock, I say, how can I finish the day well today? Because at three o'clock, I know that my mind and my brain start to go, they start to, you know, settle down. And that's when the transition is happening with my kids coming home. And so I just, I stay for a moment and think about that. I I really like that second. I mean, they're, they're both really great practices, but how do I finish the day? Well, I think is a really, really powerful one because I think for a lot of us, you give your best energy to the people at work. And then when you come home, your family gets leftovers. So true. And that is a way to pause and say, okay, how can I be even more intentional when I get home about how I invest my time with with my spouse, with my kids, with my friends? Um, And so I think that that's one that I'm going to start putting into practice of how can I finish the day well? I focus Mm -hmm. a lot on how can I start the day well, but I think sometimes... Like you said, by the time three or four rolls around, you know, I'm kind of, I can be on autopilot sometimes Mm -hmm. rather than saying, let me give an active reset for the second part of the day. Yeah. And when you're, you know, when you're going in mode, whether you're commuting back home or whether you're home and then you're receiving your kids, you know, when you're transitioning from workspace to dad, to family, Mm -hmm. to mom, you know, whoever's listening, it it's very beneficial for you to take a moment to to physically and mentally transition. Like, yep. okay, 
Now I'm mom and dad. The times where I don't, and that's why I started doing it, because I noticed the hardest times for me were from three to five. Because it's like, I'm trying to finish my creative juices with work <laughs> or, you know, the calls or the, you know, coaching mm-hmm. connections. And then I, I'm into, I know my kids are coming home, but I'm still not done yet. And then, oh, shoot, they're home already. And I'm just like, ah, you know, like, <laughs> right. and then you're just moving quickly without ever processing. And then again, when you're not intentional, you just take it as it is and it could end up being kind of chaos. We'll get back to my conversation with Jason in just a moment, but I wanted to make sure you knew about a free resource that I created called Seven Rhythms to Renew the Health of Your Soul. Now, this is a practical guide that helps you evaluate where you are on autopilot in life. And then it gives you some simple practices and suggestions that you can put into place to grow healthier in the most important areas of life so that you can really focus on growing a healthier soul and being the best version of you that God has called you to be. So you can download that for free at wadejoy.com forward slash seven rhythms. Now back to my conversation with Jason. How did you see the need for this practice in your life? Like where talk about your journey because you mentioned struggling with anxiety and depression. Um, I know some of the circumstances of your backstory. So I know yeah. this this doesn't come natural or easy for you or shouldn't based on where you've come from. So yeah. can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, thank you for asking. Um and that is such a key thing like so my my wife Shelly happy go lucky wakes up in the morning like the energizer bunny. She's singing songs, she's so happy and excited. <laughs> so for me, and that's that's part of how she was raised, you know, and the experiences that she had and the explanations that she had of her experiences. So for me, it's 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 work. It's been hard work for me to wake up with a sound mind, um, to initiate the fruits of the spirit in my life because of some of the pain that I have dealt with. In my childhood, I have um, you know, I'll just say. I don't even know where my biological mom lives. I don't have a relationship with her. That has been a struggle um, for for the majority of my life. Um, about five years ago, my dad ended up taking his own life. Mm-hmm. And I was in the process of trying to rebuild a relationship with him. We weren't very close growing up. And so I kind of grew up in unofficial foster care. And I had some wonderful families from church that took me in. I started a relationship with God um, when I was 15. And um, just through just through struggles and trials and lots of trauma, and then trauma built on top of trauma. You know, when we when we were in our early 30s, we we had lost a child as well. Um, and we had been trying, you know, dealing with infertility. We had been trying for so long. And and when you're when you have that trauma on top of trauma, when each trauma happens, it kind of rises to the surface, right? So you're not just dealing with the trauma that is in front of you, you're dealing with all the history of it. And so I had gotten to a place when I was a it was about 30, honestly, 30, between 30 and 33, where a lot of these things happened. Um uh, very close to one another. And wait, honestly, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it, but it, it almost, you know, I almost lost my mind. I just couldn't function. You know, the disappointment, the pain. Um, it was a little bit of agoraphobia where I just, I wouldn't leave the house because I was having panic attacks so much. You know, my cortisol levels were so high. And I realized that it was because even as a kid, I never felt safe, right? I didn't know was dad going to be home? I didn't know where am I sleeping today? Where, you know, who am I going home? You know, that type of situation. And so it's when you've had so many years with your cortisol levels high, you're always in fight or flight. Then now, you know, when you're in your thirties and I'm now turned 40 this year, um, I have patterns, right? Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. So I've had patterns and their, their neural pathways that because of what I couldn't control, were in my brain, were in my heart, you know, of just, hey, this is scary. I don't know where I'm going to go. 
Who's going to abandon me next? What am I going to do? Am I going to survive? You know, when I'm an adult, am I going to be a good dad? How is this even possible? Just your mind, you know, tells you things. And just because you're, you're thinking thoughts, that doesn't mean you are your thoughts. And that doesn't mean that you have to hold and grab them and ruminate on those thoughts. Unfortunately, I didn't know any of this. <laughs> and so I honestly just learned, Wade, I, I knew the Bible, I knew scripture, I knew prayer. And when my, my dad, it came to a top when my dad had taken his life. And, and I just said, how am I going to survive? I've got kids now, you know, I'm a husband. Is this my future? Like, is this, this is staring at me in the face. And I just couldn't, I couldn't shake the anxiety. You know, I was taking anxiety medication. I was eating right. I was, you know, exercising. And honestly, I Googled, can, you know, tell me about the mind. I Googled everything there was about psychology, about neuroscience. And I actually came across, the first thing I did was came across Mel Robbins. Mm -hmm. And she had a free thing called Mindset Reset. And she took you through 14 days. And that's where I learned about gratitude. It's where I learned about neuroscience. It's where I learned about neuroplasticity, having a growth mindset. And so what I was realizing is that my mindset was fixed. Like, like I wasn't believing that there could be any change for me. You know, that it just, hmm. it, it, and you've heard this before, like we're all dealt cards, right? And these are just the cards that you're dealt with and you got to do the best with them. Hmm. Wait, I'm not a pro at cards because I manage ADD and I don't have time to play cards. <laughs> <laughs> However, I do know that most card games, you can turn some cards in for some new ones, right? And so you actually do not have to play the hand that is dealt to you. God has designed us in a way where we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so honestly, I just, I would, I woke up, my normal waking up pattern would be like five minutes before I needed to leave the house, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I started getting up two hours before anyone else. And I started doing this journal. And this journal that is releasing is actually the practices that I learned from different journals and from different studies, and I put it together into one journal. And so I'd literally would, would do gratitude. I'd write down gratitude, see how it would help me. I'd do affirmations. I'd talk about, hey, I'm a great dad. Today, I'm a great dad. I am, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows the thoughts before I think I would need to say these things out mm -hmm. loud because that's part of being renewed by the transforming of your mind. And so gratitude and affirmation are in here as well. Visualization. So throughout the day, I would visualize what kind of day do I want to have? If something rubs me wrong, if somebody rubs me wrong, how would the best Jason react to that day? You know, you're reflecting on your day, you're thinking about that, and then just reflecting on scriptures. How is the truth of the gospel, how is this true for me right now? How can I apply this today? Just once. I don't have to read a whole chapter, I don't have to read a whole book, but just today, how can I? And when you, when you put those, it's six different practices, and when you put those together, you can do the whole, each prompt, you can, you can do the whole thing in like 10 minutes. But it's the consistency over time where you begin to create new neural pathways because you're starting to put that on your prefrontal cortex. And then those habits are actually forming you. So it's, so when I was younger, there were some things in my life that I couldn't control. And so physiologically, my body has responded to that. And so I need to work extra harder to keep, you know, stay in parasympathetic yeah. mode and to do you know, these, these things. And so now that I'm an adult, I can control myself. I can control my mind. I can control how I respond to my present, to my past, what happened to me years ago, and then create the future that I desire with God's grace. I, I love how the journal that you're releasing really is. It's almost like the roadmap that you took for healing in your yeah. life. Yeah. Um, and, and I think in some ways people hear things like affirmations, visualization, and sometimes people get weirded out by that. They think it sounds mm -hmm. all like new agey or, or mystical, but really what it is when the source and the focus is Christ, 
it's it's basically what the scripture tells us to take every thought captive. Captive, yeah. Um, yeah. To set our hearts and our minds on things above, things not above. on earthly yep. things. Exactly. Like you said, to 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 renew your mind. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think what we focus on, and like you said, how is how are we going to live out the fruits of the spirit today? Let me go ahead and think about my day. How do I want to respond like Christ? In this situation, yeah. how would Jesus have me treat my coworker, my boss? Um, I think everything you're talking about, it's living out the Christ-shaped, Christ-formed life. Totally. Um, but it's putting it into some very simple, practical, easy steps that everyone can do. But the power is yeah. doing them consistently, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you said that. I mean, it's been this season that I'm in right now, I'm just filled with so much awe and wonder. Because like I said, I had, you know, I'd been on church staff. I had been a pastor for almost two decades. Like I knew the scripture and I knew prayer and I knew that. And then diving in the last, you know, five years six years into the the neuroscience and neuroplasticity and how we were created, like the nitty and gritty, it just reveals the all and wonder of God, hmm. that everything that we need is here. <laughs> you know, God is yeah. here. He created us in His image. He actually created us and has given us the ingredients we need uh, to live a, a, an abundant life, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to live life on purpose. You know, the foundation of everything is the beginning. You know, in the beginning yeah. was God, and, it, and, and He is God, and it's there. And I think over time and over the years, we, we've come up with a lexicon or a vernacular that is sometimes intimidating, you know, to church space or that language, but it's all, to me, it's just all the same and it is all inspiring, you know, and it really gives you that power yeah. to receive that breakthrough and to move forward, you know, in, in your mm-hmm. life. And that's why I just, you know, th- for this next season, that's why I just feel so called and so yeah. strong just to share the story because I was, I remember it so clearly being in my basement and wondering, there were some things that were outside of my control that happened and we all have those. And I was wondering if there was any hope for me, you know, and, and I just want anyone and everyone to know that there is hope and you'd be surprised how quickly you can become transformed. And it does really start here. Yeah. You mentioned before we started recording, you used a phrase, I wrote it down, um, moving from a subconscious lifestyle to a conscious lifestyle. And it sounds like that's exactly what we're talking about right now, but can you, cause I think, you know, you moved from being in, in on church staff for many years, and then you made a decision with your family that it was time for a different season and you wanted different rhythms. And now you're helping other pastors and leaders do the same. Can you walk, talk about that journey and what does it mean to go from subconscious to conscious lifestyle? Yeah. And, um, I think that's such a great question. And I think that's a good question to ask ourselves you know, often, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to put a time to it, but it's like, Hey, every five years or every year, the new year, maybe ask yourself that question. And it really goes along with, if you think about it in the scripture, you know, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns, the patterns of this world, the patterns of your world, you know, the patterns of my world. And I think what happens is as life happens, we get into patterns and, Patterns are comfortable, and we know patterns, we like patterns, we lean towards them. Um, and patterns are good for us for to stay consistent and to improve. Um, however, s- there are times where patterns serve us, and then when we're in a new season, those patterns don't serve us any longer. And so that's when we have to move from, when you're in a pattern, it's subconscious, Right. Yeah. I mean, just take with, with leading worship. You and I both have been in that space. I mean, I was doing it for so long, no matter the size, the scope, where it was, I could basically do it with my eyes closed. You know, you just get to that point because it was mm-hmm. a pattern. I knew this. I had way more than 10,000 hours doing this. Like you, you get to right. that spot, which is great until 
that become that pattern becomes okay. Hmm. And then you're losing that all in wonder. And then, or either that happens or there's more, there's a stirring inside of you that God has put and it's starting to make you wonder. And so, yeah, it was about at this point, seven years ago, eight, maybe eight years ago, Shelly and I were coming, you know, we were in subconscious mode, which you get in when you have kids, (laughs) you get in that toddler mode when the kids are younger and all you're doing is surviving, you know, and we honestly, and this is just for our case. So this is, this is a description of our story. This isn't a prescription for people to go along and take it for yourself. So <laughs> we noticed that there were patterns. We know, you know, Shelly's dad is a pastor. I was a pastor. Shelly's grandfather was a pastor. I was also a pastor. Shelly's a social worker. Her mom was a social worker. <laughs> like, you know, we started to look at things like, why, why is there such a stirring? Like, why do we always become discontent? inside every couple years and just wonder, you know? And we just realized, hey, is it perhaps that we're following a pattern subconsciously? It's to no one's fault that we are following a pattern subconsciously, but the way in which that we were designed for this season that's coming, we need to switch that pattern up, you know? And we, I mean, we went as deep as to, we sought counseling for about six months and we did it together. We would do it individually and then do counseling together and just came to a place where where we just felt like God was calling us to disrupt the pattern. And listen to me, Wade, <laughs> it did not make sense, right? Mm-hmm. This may resonate. It did not make sense. <laughs> we were on staff at a very prominent church. <laughs> like it was, everything was, was, was covered. It was, we were in a role that we had been in for a while. And so it would have been much safer and it would have been much easier to just continue the pattern of the world. But then we might not have been renewed by the transforming of our mind. Then we might not have known what was God's good and perfect gift for us in that season. You know, and so that's a 30,000 foot view pattern because we've already talked about the 30 foot view pattern that's in our minds you know, where God begins to do those things. But then there's also ways that I'm constantly looking. And that's why even this practice as well, doing it every day, it helps you kind of, instead of life on a conveyor belt, like it makes me think of I Love Lucy. Do you remember that scene in oh, I yeah. Love Lucy where the, where the <clears throat> chocolates are going and she's like, ooh, 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 and she can't fit them in? Some, that's subconscious living, right? Life is going to come and it's going to bring stuff. And if you're not intentional, if you don't slip into consciousness, you're just going to, you're going to get heavy. You're going to get out of shape. You're going to get a clouded mind. You're going to either get into debt or you're going to get into poverty, um, your mindset physically as well, you know? And so I am constantly now that I've learned that thinking ever so often, Jason, where am I living in a subconscious manner? You know, and it's basically, you could also say, it's another word for saying, where am I living in the flesh and where am I living in the spirit? So it's just yeah. a, it's a scientific way of saying how, where, where am I subconsciously living right now? And you could do that with the different hats you wear. I think about it as a dad, as a husband, you know, as a son. I think it's a good practice throughout our, our lives to think about those things because I don't think we were designed to live subconsciously. I wonder, I don't have enough data to, to base it off, but again, I told you I was a dreamer and I have ADD. So I just wonder if like the development of the industrial revolution and technology has forced us uh, or giving us, given us an avenue where we can turn the subconscious uh, light on, you know, and who knows though. But yeah. when, I, when I think of back in the day, um, how, would you, how would you be subconscious when you couldn't click a button and a drone would drop off your <laughs> milk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> so sometimes you need to slow down in order to speed up, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So what would you say to somebody right now? How would they recognize if they're in a pattern that's no longer serving them well? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, listen, <clears throat> listen to your body. Um, number one, and that is like, When I'm in that, I've always noticed kind of a a low level of anxiety or just a 
an uncomfortableness that you can't really explain, um, but it just doesn't feel like you're in flow. You know, it just doesn't feel great. You pay attention to that. I would pay attention if you are, um, and this is just practical things. If you are un, like in an unhealthy, like if you're unhealthy physically, you might be in some subconscious mode. And this is why I say that is because God has called us for a purpose and we have great work to do. And some of us want to do great things and we want to do this and we want to go here and do that, but we don't have the lifestyle habits that we would need to have enough energy or to have enough clarity in our minds to be able to see that out. And so I would say if you're, you know, if you're in a place where you're just unhealthy, you need to, you know, maybe drop some pounds, maybe mentally as well, get into a good mindset. That's a great place to start because usually that means we've gone into subconscious mode and we're not paying attention to those important things in our lives. Um, and then just spiritually, you know, when, when, when you're, you know, just when you're sensing and when you're praying, you know, I think, I think it's scary, but I think we just know when, when it's time, when there's a stirring, you know what I mean? When there's peace. And then the other thing I would say, which is very important that I've done in every pattern change in my life is people that you trust is ask them, Hmm. open up and ask them and, and let them give you some feedback you know, and just say that question, is this something that I need to, to buckle down and bear and grit through to get onto the other side? Or is this something where God is stirring us, you know, in a different direction? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think those are really helpful, practical examples. And I think too, as you were talking, I think we have to get used to, um, embracing more difficulty and more challenge in general, and sometimes intentionally breaking patterns that don't have massive ramifications, like inserting new challenge into your, your workout. Great idea. Putting yourself in um, a situation that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. So it stretches you and it grows you. And I think when we become more used to leaning into challenge Mm-hmm. then it helps us be more equipped to step into the patterns that are a bit scarier to break that God might be asking us to break. So do it with things that are a yeah. bit lower risk so yeah. that you have those neural pathways to be more prone to do it when there's more at stake. Yeah, that's true. You're stretching that, your self-efficacy muscle, you know, because we we, we also, like in doing hard things, like we use that language in our coaching community, you know, I can do hard things and the obstacle is the way. Because if you're not used to doing that, then you're, you don't trust, you don't have trust in yourself, you know? So then when you start to dream or you start to think about a different pattern and it's going to be a big mountain to climb and it's going to be a big wall, (laughs) you know, you need to start to develop self-efficacy and know, and honestly, and we talked about it before this, for me, again, I was 280 pounds, I mean, 240 pounds and I was five foot eight, you know, or still am, by the way, I haven't <laughs> shrunk or grown. But just disciplining my body and getting into nutrition was the gateway to all of this, you know, mm-hmm. because I started to build self-efficacy with myself and I started to trust me and I started to believe. I, I got that self-confidence that, you know what, if there's something else that's around the corner or if there's something else that that God wants me to tackle, I can do it. You know, mm-hmm. I have actually this, I don't know if it's backwards here, but it says a rising tide moves all ships. And that's so true in our lives that a rising tide, once you start, once you start tilting and once you start heading in that direction, there's nothing that's, that can stop you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why well, I, I I think discipline and habits are contagious. If yes. you can, don't try to become more disciplined in every area all at once. Sometimes just hone into one exactly. and then start yeah. stacking those habits, stacking those disciplines. Yeah. Um, what would you say kind of as we as we begin to, to land the plane, what would you encourage the listener to do? Number one, develop some type of gratitude journaling practice. I I highly recommend your journal that I'll link to in the show notes. What else would you encourage someone to do if they want to have a more 
um, healthy mindset, if they want more gratitude in their life, speak to them now. Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I would, I mean, you can do it on on any piece of paper, but I've got everything, you know, pretty much rolled out for you in the journal. But it's it's literally developing honestly a morning routine. Let me say that. Like I just want to encourage no matter mm-hmm. no matter where you are in your life. And it could look like anything, whatever your schedule is, but maybe just get up a few minutes earlier than you're used to. Number one is just stretching that discipline muscle. But then also the biggest thing here, and I call it mental hygiene, is that it's going to give you space to have some mental hygiene. Mm. You know, we all have 24 hours in a day and I know schedules are difficult, but when it's important to you and when you're in desperation, which is a space that I was in, you just make time for it, you know? And if you need some more time, that could be getting up 15 minutes earlier. That's how I started. I literally started at like 10 minutes early and then 15. And then I began to see how beneficial it was Mm -hmm. to me. And now Shelly and I both, wherever we are, whether we're traveling, whether we're home, we get up together two hours earlier. And we have our, our prayer time, reading our journal. And those things have really helped us. Um, so I want to say, do something. I would encourage a morning routine because that can spark and give you time, quiet time before the day comes at you so that you can move from subconscious living to conscious living. But in order to build a habit, which is part of why I made this pretty simple, you just do the six mm-hmm. steps, you can do the daily routine in minutes is that whenever you want to build a habit, just start small and, and do it often, you know, like maybe, maybe wake up 10 minutes earlier and write down three things you're grateful for. Do that for the rest of the week and then see how that does for you. And then I'm sh- I bet you, it'll make you want to do it more. Mm-hmm. You know, when things are hard and there's opposition in the beginning, then we kind of, we bail. We're like, Oh, that's too much. You know, I don't want to do yeah. that. But simplicity is key. And so, you know, in summary, I challenge, I challenge the listeners to wake up, you know, 10 minutes earlier and write down three things. Maybe put a pad and a pen and a pen next to your bed, write down three things you're grateful for, and just start that for the next five days and see where that leads you. And then if you want to get the journal, you can get that as well. That's completely up to you. Where can people follow you, Jason, if they want more? of this kind of guidance and, and coaching. Yeah, awesome. I, um, I'm i on social, Facebook and Instagram um, at Jason Yost. And then uh, I, have, I do have my coaching website is jayost, J-A-Y-Y-O-S-T.com. And I do have free guides on there and free stuff uh, where people can engage and get some materials as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful just to have the opportunity to connect with you and to connect with your community today. Awesome. Well, Jason, this has been, it's been informative, but also really encouraging. I love your mm-hmm. your spirit. Just, I think joy just kind of radiates from you, which is a real testimony, yeah. even as you've just led us into just a little bit of your story yeah. and just to see how God has transformed you and renewed your mind. I think is a really inspirational thing. So thanks for sharing your testimony and thanks for sharing just some tools that I think will be really helpful for all of us to put into practice. Thank you, man. I'm super grateful for it. Thanks for joining us today. I'd love for you to support the show by leaving a review, by subscribing to the podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, like the video. All of that helps us out a lot. It helps get the content to more and more people. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you back here for next week's Dreamers and Disciples.